Thank you for tuning in to the audio podcast of Renaissance Church, a new church plant located in Montreal, Quebec. For more information about Renaissance Church, please check out our website, renaissancemtl.com. If you would like more information about joining the launch team of Renaissance, or if you would like information on how you can partner with us to see the gospel advance in Montreal, please send us an email at renaissance.mtl at Well, again, welcome. We're so grateful to have you. Um, if I haven't met you yet, uh, my name is James, and I'm just excited to gather together this morning. Uh, my family was out of town last week, and we missed you guys. Uh, we had a great time. We were able to relax and enjoy time as a family, and uh, it was just really great for us. But I was really thankful for um, the team here at Renaissance for so many people that made, uh, not just last week, but so much that happens behind the scenes, so much that happens, and so thankful for Graham preaching, and for Josh, and for Dylan, and Autumn, and Billy, and Melissa, and Ben, and Christy, who led worship, and so many other people, Stephen, Madison, and others, and so, and all of our team, that's our serve team, um, really thankful for you guys, and uh, just excited to be doing all of this together, excited to be working together in this, um, with the hope, and the, not the hope, the, the promise, and the prayer of seeing Jesus glorified in our lives, and in our city. Um, so one thing I want to mention before I kind of jump into the sermon, um, if any of you know Stephen and Madison, they work with us here at Renaissance. Well, they are, I believe, at the hospital now being induced for um, Madison is pregnant and they're having a baby boy. So we will pray. I don't know any details. I joked this morning. All of this is a short text message between me and Stephen. I know very few details, right? Um, it's like, you know, it's two guys texting about his wife having a baby. So he said, she's being induced tomorrow. I said, Okay, I'll pray for them. So, uh, I'm going I'm to take a moment uh, and pray for them as they go through this process. Uh, for all I know, the baby could be born already, but we're going to pray for their <laughs> So, let's pray together for them, and then we'll jump into the sermon. So, Father, we are grateful for your grace um, and your mercy. God, we lift up Stephen and Madison to God, we pray that she would give her strength and comfort. God, we pray for just a smooth process uh, as this baby boy comes into the world. Thank you for this joyous time in their lives. We lift it to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to jump in this morning. So we're continuing in our series called Follow Jesus as we study through the book of Mark, one of the Gospels in the New Testament. So in the book of Mark, we see the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and we see how, why, and what happens when we follow Jesus. That's why we chose to say this series is called Follow Jesus multiple times in the book of Mark. We see Jesus going to people and saying, hey, you, follow me. And we see what happens as literally the whole book of Mark is kind of this like journey of Jesus going towards when he would give his life and on the cross and people follow him along the way. What that means for us. And so we see the, the birth, life, and death of Jesus. But one thing we see in the book of Mark, which we're really going to look at today, are the teachings of Jesus. And as I was preparing this week and thinking about this, I was like, this is kind of crazy that we have, first of all, we have the words of Jesus. Like, we can just read the things that Jesus taught. Like, that's kind of crazy. And then I was thinking about just for me personally and for any other person that stands up and preaches or any person that does anything with God's word, the weight of responsibility that we have in teaching what Jesus taught. Like, this is crazy. Because we have 
the message that Jesus has given to us. So we're going to dive into some things that Jesus taught today in Mark chapter 4. And I hope that you're following along with us each week and reading um, through, through God's Word with us. This scripture, the Bible, is the number one thing that will help you grow spiritually. But when we read God's Word, and when we apply it to our lives, we engage with the Bible on a regular basis, it's then that we grow spiritually. So I want to encourage you to do that. Um, this isn't just about showing up on Sunday for a religious thing. We're not just here for just like, okay, this is something we do on Sunday. It's every part of our lives. And when we engage with the Bible, we can know him. We can know ourselves and we can know how to follow him. So we want to help with that. As many of you know, we have Bibles on the table there in the back. Um, those are our gifts to you. There's the, the Gospel of Mark by itself. Um, but you can have one of those. You can even get one now. We haven't started. If anyone wants one, I'm sure that Ben or Graham or someone could give them some Bibles. So if you want one, just come raise your hand. We'll give you one of those so that you can follow along. Also back there, there is a page that's kind of got a reading plan and some questions to ask as you read through Scripture. Because we want this, as we go through Mark for all of us, we want it to be more than just, okay, we show up for this for so many. We want to engage with it throughout the week. And in our discipleship groups and in our community groups. Um, so we invite you to do that. All right, everybody awake, here, ready to go, ready to start in the book of Mark. So before we read our scripture today, I want to give a little bit of background, a little bit of context here. Jesus here is speaking in parables, which means that he's using everyday things to communicate truth about the kingdom of God. Here's the, the main point of what I want us to see today. I think this ties together what Jesus is talking about in these parables, in these stories today. It's this, that the kingdom of God starts small. The kingdom of God starts small. So a parable almost starts this, they're simple. Right? But the meaning of these parables is hidden from people whose hearts are hard. The parables were understood by those who had faith. So in some ways, when Jesus is teaching in parables, they're really simple. And they're designed for people who are humble and have faith to understand what Jesus was talking about. So many of the religious leaders, the people of that day, they, they didn't understand what, what are you talking about. It's simple concepts that they didn't understand. Because they were, these guys were too important, too academic, too smart, too advanced for these cute little stories that Jesus was telling. But Jesus spoke in parables partly because only those with faith will grasp their meaning. Because the result of a heart that is hard means that you'll hear what Jesus is saying, but you won't understand. You'll see what Jesus is talking about, you see the message of the gospel, but you won't perceive it. And this is what the Old Testament says, that people, their hearts are hard, their hearts are far from me. They'll, they'll hear the truth, but they won't understand it. They'll see it, but they won't perceive it. This is, when our hearts are hard, we don't understand the message of the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want to assume that this idea of the kingdom of God makes sense to because it's like, okay, what is that? What is this kingdom? Where is it? How do I get there? Right? But here I think is a definition of the kingdom of God. It's the rule and reign of Jesus as king and his work in the world to redeem and deliver a people for himself, both right now and in the future. So it's the kingdom of God is anywhere where Jesus is recognized as king in our hearts. 
in our church, in our families, in places around us where Jesus is recognized as King. And He is coming. And as Jesus came in the book of Mark, He said, I am coming. The kingdom of God is near. I have come to proclaim that I am King. That God is God of all. And that Jesus is the way to know God. So we think about the kingdom of God as Jesus is teaching you. What he's communicating is this, is that the kingdom of God starts small. We're going to read part of our passage this morning. Um, there are a few other things happening in this passage that we're not going to get to today. But you can talk about them at discipleship groups and community groups. You can talk about them with others. Um, there's a whole section here about Jesus in a storm, and he falls asleep, and the disciples are like, what's going on? And he wakes up, and he calms the storm, which I just kind of gave you the sermon anyways, but you can read and study that on your own. We're going to... So there's a couple things we're going to jump over and focus on this, I think, major theme of what's happening here. So as we read here, Jesus starts off the story uh, with the story about a story. Now that's not like clothes, like with a needle and thread, you know, like sew a needle and thread, all of that. It's a farmer who like sows or plants seeds, right? So it starts off with a story about a farmer sowing seeds. And Jesus here is describing himself, that he is the sower. Bringing the message of the gospel, the message of the kingdom of God, which is the seed, to the human heart, which is the soil, right? This is a parable. Give us the picture as he's telling the story. So Jesus, as he's telling us, he's saying, hey, I'm bringing the message of the kingdom of God to people. All right? So we're going to read. We're going to start in verses 1 through 9 and then jump to verse 14. We're going to jump a little bit. So it'll be on the screen. You can track with us there. Here's what it says. Again, he, being Jesus, began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil, and it produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. We're going to go to verse 14. As Jesus is describing what's happening here, he tells his disciples, he says, The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. And the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. Sorry, my, there's a literal hole in the page of my Bible. Uh, and, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. When tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil, and the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. We're going to jump to verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as, if, is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts.
sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. But yet, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them. As they were able to hear it, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. I'm just learning how to read. So, so here we go. Two main things that I want us to look at today. First of all is the four soils. Secondly, scattered seeds. So four soils and scattered seeds. So Jesus starts off talking about, okay, the farmer goes, he sows some seed, and on the ground, and he begins to explain this thing, and there's four different types of soils, and then he explains what he means by all of them. And so for those listening, this was a farming culture. And when Jesus talks about seeds and soils and soils, this was part of their normal life. For us, we've got to kind of think about it a little bit, because I know most of us, anyone farmers, anyone like regularly work with seeds and farming? I don't, right? Um, but for them, it was very, very normal. But we have this picture of the story, the story can seem kind of strange when Jesus is telling it, because we can have this picture of like, okay, well, we plow a field, and we, not me, someone, plows a field, and goes and puts the seeds in, and covers it up with dirt, and then waters it, and then they grow. This wasn't the, the normal way that they would have done this thing. This is why this story makes sense. Because when Jesus talks about sowing the seed, he literally, so farmers would go out and just scatter it, right? In a way that was considered, like, Broadcasting. That's the way it was done. So when I was a kid, we actually, I did grow up to live in the country, and we would plant grass seed from time to time. And, you know, we had this thing called a broadcaster, which is really interesting. You dump the grass seed in, and when you push it along, it, like, spins, and it kind of scatters the sprays of seed everywhere. So this is what the manner that Jesus is talking about here, of seeds just going out and being scattered everywhere. Because you're like, why would you throw it on the rocks? Why would you throw it in the thorns? They scatter it everywhere. Now, it was deliberately done that way because the planting came before the plowing. So, it was important to plow soon, which then plowed the seed into the ground. So they would walk through, they'd scatter the seed, then they would plow, and the seed would get turned around into the soil so that it could grow. This is important to notice, like, because if the plowing was delayed, so if the guy came, the farmer comes, scatters everything, and then waits a few days, what Jesus is talking about here is inevitable. It will happen. What Jesus describes, right? Some seed would thrive and produce fruit, but most of it wouldn't. So it's important to see this, that when the gospel is heard by me, by you, by someone else, something has to happen for it to take effect in our lives. When we hear it, because if, if, if all of us, like, Christianity and faith was just hearing the gospel. This would be a different world because people hear it. We hear it often. People around us hear it in many different ways. Something has to happen. Plowing has to happen. It's the picture that Jesus is giving. What is that? I think it's some things like humility and faith and turning away from our sin. That when that's the posture of our heart, then we have good soil. We have something coming where the seed goes in and begins to take root and bear fruit. All of those things. That'll make more sense. That'll come as we keep going. This understanding of the importance of faith and repentance in this process of 
sees growing and bearing fruit. So Jesus is, is describing to us four things that happen when the seed or the gospel is sown and spread. We have to remember who is listening. Who's there? There's a big crowd, but some of the religious leaders are there. Last week, Graham preached from Mark chapter 3, and he told the story in Mark chapter 3 of a man who had a, a, a withered hand, his hand didn't work, and Jesus came and he healed him on the Sabbath. And what it says in, in verse 5, the religious leaders were like, what are you doing? You can't do that. In verse 5 it says, and Jesus looked at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. So see, just a little bit ago, Jesus points out this hardness of heart. So as he's talking to this crowd, he's talking to these religious leaders pretty directly. And then he's talking to everyone in the crowd, saying, hey, there are different kinds of hearts here, different kinds of soils. And if you're rejecting Jesus, as Jesus was saying, if you're rejecting me, if you're rejecting the message of the kingdom of God, if you think you're too good for that, then your heart is hard. So when Jesus talks about hard soil, he's talking about those who thought that they were good enough on their own. They thought that they didn't need this Jesus guy teaching them anything. So, we're going to look at these four soils. As we listen to these, one of these is going to ring true for you. You may be, you may have a heart that is hardened, saying, I don't really need this stuff. I don't want to do it all day. You may be the heart that describes as rocky soil, where your faith is shallow, not deep. You may be the one that is, your faith is getting choked out by everything else in life. Or you may be in a spot where you have, your heart is good soil. We'll talk about this this morning, knowing that everybody in this room comes from very different places, different backgrounds. And you may walk in this morning and say, like, I'm not really sure why I'm here, how I got here, who brought me here, whatever. Jesus wants to speak to our hearts this morning. And listen, because one of these types of hearts is going to be true for you. So, the four soils. First of all, we have hard soil. can be described as the hard heart. And in this example, the seed does not even go beneath the surface. The truth of the gospel just bounces off and is taken away. Jesus says, stolen by the enemy. This is a result of pride, arrogance, self-reliance, and unwillingness to humble yourself. These are hardened hearts saying, I don't need this. I don't need God. I've got it figured out. I want to do it my own way. If that is the condition of your heart, that is hard soil. It's a hardened heart that says, I don't want anything to do with this. I'll do it myself. And Jesus starts by talking about this, and he's pointing the camera at these religious leaders who said, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. We know we're good enough on our own. We can keep the law. We can do everything right. This is the hard part. So the first one, the hard soil. Secondly, we have the rocky soil, which could be called the surface part. The seed that falls here grows quickly, and then it fades and withers when things get difficult. This type of heart is superficial and concerned with surfacey things. Like, hey, do people like me? Am I accepted? Am I cool? Am I good enough? Am I, am I talented? These are surface-level things that we go around running from person to person, from group to group, hoping that, am I these things? Am I good enough in these things? These are people who love the idea of God, and they truly see the beauty of the gospel. Verse 16 says they receive it with joy. They're not running from God. This type of heart is not trying to get away from God. They love the idea of this. But when it costs them something to stand in their faith, 
Jesus says, they're not going to love us. When there's trouble, when there's persecution, when someone says, why are you following Jesus? That's stupid. Maybe it makes sense. When it becomes inconvenient to follow Jesus, they retreat, they hide, they run away. Why? Because I don't believe they fully surrendered themselves to God and said, God, I'm yours no matter what. You have to ask yourself, are you in this place today? Are you feeling in your life, feeling the cost of following Jesus? Are you around people that think you're absolutely insane for saying, I want to follow Jesus. I want to put my faith in him. I want to trust him and live my life without him. And people are like, what are you doing? You're crazy. And you may be tempted to say, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to run from this. It's not easy. It's not convenient. This is the heart that is the rocky soil. You want to follow Jesus, but you don't want to stand up. Stand up for Jesus when it counts. It's this idea that we've said before. You're willing to let Jesus into your living room, right? Like the living room of your heart. But you're like, no, don't go in the bedroom. Don't go in the closet. Don't go downstairs. Don't go upstairs. You can't go there. You can come here. This is cool. This is convenient. I like it. Come visit. This is great. But don't go back there, Jesus. Don't take over. Don't be. You're not welcome everywhere anymore. This is a picture of the surface. There was a guy long ago named George Whitfield, and he, he preached in the 1700s, and he preached to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, and God used him in an incredible way um, in England and in New England and all over the world. But um, someone came to him one day, and he preached to, like, thousands of people, sharing, like, telling them how to follow Jesus. And someone came and said, hey, said, hey, George, how many people were saved today? How many people put their faith in Jesus? And I love his answer. He says, I don't know. We'll see in a few years. What did he mean by that? He means this, that even though salvation happens in a moment, and at the moment that you put your faith in Jesus, you are forgiven. You are brought into the kingdom of God. You are made new. It happens in a moment. And our faith, and we, and through faith and repentance, we put our trust in Jesus. But it takes time for salvation to be demonstrated in our lives. It takes time to show, is this life producing fruit? Is there change? Is there, is there a difference in this life? Because following Jesus is proven and shown over a life over a lifetime and can't be shown immediately. That's what Jesus is talking about here. People who come receive the truth of the gospel with joy, and yet it's shallow and it doesn't produce fruit. The reality is there are people who Often myself, and often many of you, have gone through times in our lives where we failed. We've said, yeah, I love this. I love God. I follow Jesus. And yet he really, we really have not been walking following the in our testimony in our everyday lives. So this is the rocky ground, the rocky soil, the surface heart. The next one is Jesus talks about the thorny soil. This is the divided heart. This seed falls on soil that has weeds. Not weed. Maybe weed. I don't know. Maybe there was some there. But it falls on soil that is like thorns and weeds and all this other stuff growing in it. And the seed starts to grow, right? It's in soil. It's got sunlight. It's got water. The seed starts to grow. But after a while, it gets choked out. Other things start to steal the nutrients, start to steal the sunlight, start to kind of wrap it up and choke it out so that it can't 
where it will produce fruit. Verse 19 tells us this. It says, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke out the plant, and it is unfruitful. So what's happening here? The stuff of life gets in the way. This is the, the thorny soil, the divided heart. The thorny soil causes a divided heart. But our hearts in more than one place, not just with the Lord, with God. We start caring more about money and houses and cars and clothes and worldly success and, and work and family and entertainment. We care more about those things than the kingdom of God. Our hearts are divided. We literally just get busy. Things happen in life because we start to say, oh, I really need to pursue that. I really need to do that. And the work of the gospel in our hearts gets choked out. This is a gradual process, right? Because seed will grow. And we don't realize it. We don't realize that there's these other things kind of wrapping around our lives and stealing our, our, our time and our energy and our they take each other's nutrients and all those things. We don't realize that it's happening. And then we get distracted by other things. And we lose sight of what God is doing and what's doing in our lives. So our Christian life is choked out when our heart is divided between Jesus and the world. This is the thorny soil, the divided heart. So now we've just been through three of these. The hard soil, the rocky soil, and the thorny soil. Thorny soil. Now notice something about these first three soils. They did not produce fruit. They didn't last. The point of planting here is to produce fruit. This is why the farmer does it. He's not a moron. He doesn't just go plant and be like, well, I'm happy with 25%, right? This wasn't the point. The point of sowing and planting is to produce fruit to get a harvest, and these first three soils failed to do that. Now, you and I don't ultimately know the state of someone else's heart. But here's what I see. None of these first two examples were true followers of Jesus. They followed Jesus when it seemed like a good idea or when it was convenient, yet they did not lay down their lives to follow him and produce fruit in their lives. I don't know the answer, honestly. I don't know if there are situations here and Jesus is talking about these soils and the thorny soil and the rocky soil, or someone is they put their faith in Jesus, and yet over time they get all these things. All I know is that they don't produce fruit. They don't do what God intended for them to do, which is to produce fruit. So we move to our final soil. Guys awake? Good. Our final soil is the good soil. This is the fruitful part. This is kind of self-explanatory. It's good soil where the seed sinks in, takes root, and produces fruit. And Jesus even gives us some math here if you really like math. He says there's a harvest. It produces a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 times what was planted, meaning that it multiplied. Right? Because what's the point? Like, I know, I think I know enough about, I've learned some things about farming. I don't really know. But like, you plant things, and then when that harvest comes, you reserve some of that to the next time. And so what Jesus is really pointing out here is there is a multiplication here that doesn't stop. That as you produce 30, 60, 100 times, you've got plenty of stuff and you've got plenty more to plant and that will produce some. And so just like this ongoing process of 
multiplication of fruit being produced. And here is the truth in this, the simple truth. Good soil produces a harvest. Because there's not a problem in the story with the farmer. There's not a problem with the seed. The variable here is the soil. And when the seed was in good soil, it produced a harvest. This is the nature of the kingdom of God. It starts small as a seed, yet grows and multiplies. This is God's design for our lives and for our church, that we are good soil, opening our hearts to him, the gospel taking root in us, resulting in our spiritual growth and our multiplication. Producing fruit in our lives, the evidence of Jesus happening in our everyday lives. When this is happening, there will be an impact far beyond what we can ever see. Right? If that one little seed had a brain, right? Even if it had a brain, it wouldn't know that, hey, I produced all this fruit, and that fruit produced more fruit, and so on and so forth. But when we when our hearts are concerned, and the gospel takes root in us, and we produce fruit. There's an impact beyond what we may ever know. There will be continual fruit being produced through the work of Jesus in Christ. The kingdom of God starts small. Let's move now. We're going to talk about more about seeds. So we have four soils, and next we have scattered seeds. In the first parable here that Jesus told, we've already seen the result of scattered seeds. The goal of a farmer is to see a good crop produced. Right, let's look again at verses 26 through 34. And Jesus tells two examples here of seeds. And he says this, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts it in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So we'll stop there for a minute. What is Jesus getting at? So here in the first one, this is the mystery of how the kingdom of God grows. The fruit is the result of the seed. Like that's just natural process. The seed, that's its purpose, is to bear fruit. But what we see in the present, right now, in the secret, growth and multiplication is already in motion. Jesus is teaching us something about the kingdom of God, that it starts small, that God is working in our hearts and working around us and working in our church in ways that we can't always see, but we can trust that God is working in us to produce fruit. And Jesus said, the, the farmer goes and does this, and he doesn't know what's happening, right? He doesn't know, like, okay, now today the seed's going to do this, and today this and this. He just knows that all of a sudden it shoots up out of the ground, and then it grows and it produces there's a mystery to how the kingdom of God works, and it starts small. Are you guys familiar with Billy Graham? It's a pretty easy question, right? So Billy Graham. By the way, this is not a commercial, but there is a Netflix documentary about Billy Graham. A documentary on Netflix about Billy Graham. That's amazing. It's incredible. I would encourage you to watch it. Um, it's really well done and really just crazy to see how God worked through his life. But think about this in regards to the kingdom starting small. You can go look at the whole story. Someone told Billy Graham about Jesus. And someone told that someone, right? You've got to keep going back, right? But at the time, whoever it was, I can't remember the guy's name, that told Billy Graham, hey, 
Here's how you follow Jesus and live here. Here's how you just had no idea what God was going to do. Had no idea what God was doing in this man's life. Billy Graham was called by God to preach the gospel, and he preached faithfully for decades and decades and decades. In the very beginning, he didn't see large crowds, but as he preached, God began to work. God was at work under the surface, doing something in these people's lives, in Billy Graham and the people before him, that produced a harvest. The kingdom of God, like a seed, starts small. Jesus gives us that example here. He says, hey, it's a mystery. And yet, when that seed is planted in good soil, something is happening. God is at work, and it will produce Remember the second example, the parable of the mustard seed. Has anyone ever seen a mustard tree? Yes, no, I have not. So this is, we're all just in the dark on this together. We'll just read what Jesus says about it, right? But Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when it is grown, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger then all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. It's pretty simple. It's got a very, very small seed, and yet it grows big enough for birds to set on its branches, right? What Jesus is getting at here is this. The kingdom of God starts small, almost unnoticeable. An example of the mustard seed should prevent you and I from judging the significance of results by the size of the beginnings. We can do that. We can judge what we see based on like, okay, this seems insignificant, so it must be insignificant. But this parable teaches us that in the kingdom of God, things that seem small, all we can do is stand back and say, God, you're going to do something big. So think about us. We're a small church with people from all over the place, but from the outside, Someone kind of looking in could say, well, they're great, they're nice people, but pretty insignificant. Like, you know, as far as it's a big city, it's a big world, you know, small church, whatever. But the Spirit of God lives in me, lives in you, and God is at work. And we, as a church, can trust that there will be a harvest produced when we faithfully sow the seed. So what can seem insignificant, God will work to bring significance. But we can't judge the significance of the results by the size of the beginning because the kingdom of God starts small. You think about that with Renaissance. Think about it with Voyage Church. Voyage Church is a small, even smaller group of people right now. And someone from the outside could say, like, okay, that's cool what they're doing. It's pretty small, right? Just some group of people hanging out in Fulton Ridge, you know. And yet, Seed, the kingdom of God starts small. The seed of the gospel is at work in each person's life who's involved in it. And as they, in their neighborhood, scatter seed, as they share Jesus and the good news of Jesus with people and pray for good soil, we can trust the seed, the harvest. And you can think about that in your own life as well. What has God done in your heart? If you put your faith in Jesus and following him, God is at work in you wanting to produce a harvest. And right now it may seem small, and you may feel insignificant. You may say, I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't have it all together. What am I supposed to do? I'm just me. And yet God works 
in mysterious ways because the kingdom of God starts to snap. So what do we do with all of this? First of all, we need to recognize the state of our hearts. To ask the question, what kind of soil am I in? What kind of heart do I have? And you have to wrestle with this. And the point of this for me is not to make you doubt whether or not you're following Jesus. But the point is to do what Jesus did to say, hey, is your life producing fruit? Is the gospel changing you and producing fruit? Are you looking more like Jesus? Are you growing in love for other people? Are you growing in your hunger to know and follow God? Are you seeing yourself and your faith multiplied in other people? There's a pastor named John Piper, and he says this on the screen. He says, real is something you can see. There is a visible difference between real and not real Christians. It's not enough to say you're real, yet should be, you, no, sorry, you should be able to see you're real. If you're real, it will reveal itself in your life. Real Christians bear the marks of authentic faith in ways that can be seen, heard, and felt. What's he talking about? Our lives producing fruit. That we love people more. That we see the evidence of God in our lives. That we are loving the people around us. That we are loving God. We are not perfect, but that our heart is longing to know Jesus. He says, God, I want to know you. I want to follow you. These are evidences of the work of God in our heart. So ask yourself this morning, what heart do you have? What kind of soil second thing I think we need to do with this is we need to just trust God's work in our lives. Knowing that you can trust the work of God in your life. You hear this sometimes in sports or maybe business or trust the process, right? Sometimes in sports, they'll gather this like team of guys like in basketball and none of them are big names and they're like, okay, you're, you're a dude, you're new to this, you came from a small college, you know, you're in the NBA, but no one really knows who you are and yet they say, trust the process. And they'll say, hey, in two or three years, this team's going to be really good. Right? We need to do that in our hearts. They're saying, trust the work of God in our hearts. Trust the process of what God is doing in you. That he wants you to grow. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to look more like Jesus each and every day. To trust that the seed of the gospel that is planted in your heart, that is planted in you, is planted in me, is working under the surface to bear fruit and to bring glory to God. You may be here this morning, maybe you've followed Jesus, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and maybe it's new to you, or maybe you're just curious about all of this. And yet, when we put our faith in Jesus, we can trust that God is taking us somewhere. God is doing something in our lives. We are growing to look more like Jesus. We are growing to love him more. We are bearing fruit in our lives multiplying ourselves. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul encourages the church in Philippi. He says this, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. 
be reminded of that this morning. If you may be struggling, you may be saying, I don't know if I can do this anymore. I just don't feel like it's working. I'm not going anywhere. What's happening? God, I know I put my trust in you, but what is going on? And Paul would say to you, and I say to you this morning, that God who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And we can trust his work in our lives, even when we can't see it when it seems insignificant. All throughout the book of Mark, faith is the element where Jesus says, since you have faith, that's what God works. And our faith is not this big and grand thing. It's often just desperation saying, I can't do it anymore. Jesus, I need you. Then, our faith, God begins to work. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives and dwells in you. God wants to work in you and will work in you to make you more like Jesus and to produce fruit in your lives. And we believe this is a church as well, that the kingdom of God starts small. We believe God is in work to see lives changed, to see people changed by Jesus, and to see people sent out on mission to continue scattering seed. To see this process where Jesus tells us, hey, I'm the sower, and I'm sowing seed, and yet he says, I'm sending you also. That we then become the ones sowing and scattering seed. This is the multiplication happening in our lives. So the third thing we need to do because of the scripture this morning is we need to sow seed. We need to scatter seed. Our task is this, to keep planting. I love that image of broadcasting. We're not going to start a TV station or anything. That's not what I mean. But going about our lives saying, I'm going to share Jesus with the people around me. And I'm going to trust God that as I scatter seed, it's going to find good soil. I don't know all the results, but I'm going to scatter seed. Not in a row like the way that I think makes sense, but I just want to share Trusting that God is at work all around us. And trusting that the Lord of the harvest will bring about a harvest. So we have to ask ourselves, who in our lives, who are you praying for? Who are the friends and family and people that you know who don't know Jesus? And are we praying for them? Are we scattering seed? Are we sharing Jesus with the people we work around? The people we live around? People we hang out with? Are we broadcasting, scattering the good news of Jesus in our lives, trusting that God will work. We will recognize the state of our hearts. We will recognize what soil we are. We need to trust God's process and work in our lives. And we, as followers of Jesus, need to live on mission. We're called to scatter seed wherever we go. As we start to close this morning, you may be sitting here this morning, you may be questioning the state of your heart. You'll be saying, where am I? What is the, what is, what's the soil of my heart like? And Jesus told this parable, he told it very matter-of-factly, describing to us what happens when seed is sown. He says, some falls here, some falls here, some falls here, and only one of them produces fruit. And so we look at this, and we're like, okay, so are we just stuck with this? Am I just destined to be one of the soils and I'm soil, I don't have legs, I can't stand up and move to good soil? Am I just destined to be this? Am I just one of the four soils and that's that? And we can say, like, come on, Jesus, what's, what's up here? What's happening here? 
I think Jesus forgets to tell us something. I don't really think he forgets. He knows what he's doing. Right? Jesus doesn't forget. But there's something here that I, we don't see in the scripture. We see in God's word. And it's this. By God's mercy, you can soften your heart today to receive the word no matter what we say. We are not destined to be like, oh, I'm hard soil, that's me, see you later. No. Uh, I'm just rocky soil, I'm just kind of surface I'm not thorny soil, I'll just get busy with other stuff. Hey, look at me, I'm good soil, good for me. We are not destined to be those things because by God's mercy, you can soften your heart to receive the word no matter this previous state of your heart. What makes the change? What is it that allows us to soften our hearts? To what I said at the beginning, faith and repentance. Repentance, turning away from ourselves, turning away from our sin, turning away from saying, I just want to do it my own way. It softens our hearts and changes what our heart is like. When we are willing to say, I humble myself. Because what does God say? God says, the Bible says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humility, repentance, putting our faith in Jesus allows us to change the nature of our heart. Now it's not us changing our hearts, but allows us to put ourselves in a position to receive God's word into our hearts. That a hard heart can become a soft heart. A surfacy heart can become a soft heart. A divided heart can become good soil. You may not be good soil this morning, but you can be. This is the truth of God's word, that he invites anyone to come to him and put their faith in him and turn away from their sin, that the gospel will take root in our hearts. The message and the truth of Jesus will take root and will grow and produce fruit. The way that we stay with a hard heart, or the way that we stay with a surface heart or a divided heart, is simply saying, yeah, this is cool, but I'm not really putting my faith in Jesus. We either just outright reject it, or we say, yeah, I love God, but I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. And it will keep us, and we will live out the parable that Jesus told about these stories, about these stories. When we humble ourselves, our hearts can be changed through Jesus. The reality, the reality is this. We are all sinful with hard hearts. We were all at one time soil, hard soil. The Bible says, the Bible goes so far to say that we were enemies of God, separated from God because of our sin. We were rebellious. We were born in sin. We commit sin and we are separated from God. The gospel, the good news of Jesus tells us this, that even in our sin, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that Jesus came and lived sinless life, and willingly gave his life on the cross to pay for our sin, and rose from the dead. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has made it possible for hard hearts to become soft, for broken hearts to become whole, for sinful hearts to be forgiven. Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death, that anyone who comes and puts their faith in Jesus and turns away from sin We have a heart that is, that is then soft. Faith and repentance soften our hearts. And we become good soil. 
gospel can be planted and grow in us. And the reality is that God wants to work in your heart this morning. And it starts small. The kingdom of God starts small. It starts with faith. It starts with repentance. It starts with humbling ourselves. We're going to sing more this morning. We're going to have time to reflect or think on this. What is God doing in your heart this morning? What needs to happen in you? You may be here this morning. You may need to say, I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to make that choice to say, Jesus, you are the way to know God. You are the only way. And I put my faith in you and I turn from my sin. I want to follow Jesus. You maybe have never come to that point. Where you surrendered all to him. And you may need to do that today. Maybe this morning, there needs to be repentance that happens in your heart. You may have recognized, you know what? I have a hard heart. I'm the rocky soil. I'm the thorny soil. And other things are distracting me. And this morning, you may just take Jesus and run back to him. I turn away from my sin. I put my faith in you. Would you change my heart? That the gospel would be planted in me and grow. Maybe you've been convicted this morning. Maybe you're not sowing seeds. Maybe you're not scattering seeds. You are not producing fruit in your life. You're not living out the gospel in your everyday life. You need to say, I need to take some steps of faith to tell the people around me about Jesus. I need to share with others what Jesus has done in my life. Maybe you just simply need to say, I just need to grow in my faith. I want to look more like Jesus. This is what discipleship is all about. You just need to take that step and say, you know what? It starts small. And it starts small with a step of faith saying, Jesus, I just turn my heart to you. I want some more. Maybe you just need to pray with someone this morning. So what we're going to do as we stay, I'm going to give, um, I'm going to give us just a few minutes of just, just quiet to think and pray and say, God, where is my heart? What needs to happen in me this morning? And as we do that, you need to pray with someone. Dylan is standing in the back there at the table. You are welcome to walk back there. Um, Otto, would you go stand with him? Just a if you'd like to pray with someone during, as we sing this morning, and even in this prayer time, you are welcome to walk and ask questions and go back there and pray with them. And we want that. Like this is, we want this church to be a place where we can come and it really matters in our lives. It's not just sit and listen to somebody talk. We see change happening in our lives. So let me close this in prayer. And my challenge to you is you just take a few minutes and say, God, where am I this morning? What are the steps of faith I need to take? What are the sins I need to turn away from and repent of? Where do I need to invite Jesus in?